So the big question is this, how do nonprofits like us, who are often funding our vision from our own pockets, that don't have big staffs, big budgets, and great fundraising know-how, how do we raise the kind of money we need to see our mission fully funded? Ask the question, and this podcast will talk about the answers. My name's David Oaks. Welcome to the Minor Touches to Major Gifts podcast for nonprofits. Welcome to the show today. Glad you tuned in. Today we're talking about your nonprofit and the dilemma of the woodcutter. The dilemma of the woodcutter. Yes, we are. But before I do that, I want to share with you an opportunity that Mary Valoni and I are giving. We're offering ourselves in a mastermind to 12 very blessed and fortunate nonprofit leaders. Mary Valoni called me and she said, David, I want to us, I want you and I to offer ourselves to 12 nonprofit leaders. I want us to keep the price level at a place that small nonprofit leaders who need us the worst, who need each other the worst, who need this mastermind group. I want to keep the financial commitment at a level that most nonprofit leaders can afford. And so she said, I don't want it to go. It cannot be more than $250. So we are doing something amazing. We are offering ourselves to 12 nonprofit leaders in a mastermind over the next 12 months for $250 a month. We meet two times a month online, and there we coach, we get into each other's lives. It is, an, if you've never been in a mastermind, it is one of the most amazing things you'll ever experience. And we'll have two face-to-face meetups annually. So one every six months, we will meet face-to-face. You just got to get there. You get there. And then what Mary and I, how we offer ourselves to you, you don't have to pay for that. It's part of what you pay for in your fee just to be in the group. So there is a link in the show notes. We are having an information meeting This Tuesday, Tuesday of next week, that's April the 20th at 2 p.m., April 20th, 2021, we're having an information call. I want you to be in on that call. No commitment to be a part of the call. Just get in the call and ask us questions. We're going to interact with you. And uh, 12, 12, it has to be limited to 12. This has to remain a small group. So don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity. All right, enough of that. Today, the dilemma of the woodcutter. You're nonprofit and the dilemma dilemma of the woodcutter. Years ago, I was challenged by John Maxwell to read a book a week. He blew me away there in Atlanta. He was... In those days, he was not the leadership guru to the world that he is today. He was a pastor in California, and he would fly to Atlanta, and he would teach a lot of us other pastors leadership. And he challenged us to read a book a week, and one of the books that he had us to read 
was the seven habits of highly successful people. In those days, it was a bestseller. You know, that book still sells a lot of copies even today, even though the author, Stephen Covey, has passed on and he, he's died. He's not with us anymore. But that remains still to this day an amazing and even a best-selling book. Inside that book, Stephen Covey advocated for something that he called sharpen the saw. And he he asked this question, which I've never forgotten, impacted me greatly, and I have read a book a week for all these years. Here's the question. Did you hear about the woodcutter whose production went down because he couldn't take the time to sharpen his axe? Oh, let me give it to you again. Did you hear about the woodcutter whose production went down because he couldn't take the time to sharpen his axe? Whoa. I think Stephen was challenged by a quote from Abraham Lincoln where he said, Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. (laughs) So Stephen Covey, in studying highly successful people, he found that one of the seven habits of highly successful people was they took time out of their work. They took time out of chopping their wood to sharpen their axe. Now, what does that got to do with you, your nonprofit, and your mission? Here's here's what chopping the tree is for you. Here's what chopping wood is. It's feeding the hungry. It's ministering. It's um, doing for the people, your constituents that your nonprofit serves. It could be feeding the homeless, housing the homeless. It could be saving an acre of rainforest, so, serving boys and girls after school every day. It could be serving special needs families or getting supplies to that community in crisis. Chopping wood is your mission. It's your nonprofit. It's why you got into, it's why you started your 501c3. What is sharpening your axe? Sharpening your axe has to do with personal growth, personal growth. Here's what I've learned. Most nonprofit leaders are total angels. The reason they started their 501c is because they saw a need and they said, I can't sit here and do nothing about this need. I must do it. And so nonprofit leaders are go-getters. They are workers. They never thought, I'm going to be a fundraiser. What they thought and dreamed about was helping and cha- helping people and changing lives. What they thought about was fixing injustice. What they thought about was filling in the gap that government, that church was not doing. They just wanted to do it. They just wanted to leave the world they found in a better place. And lo and behold, they found out they had to be a fundraiser. They found out they didn't know much about organizational development. So you got into it because you cared. You got into it because you couldn't sit on your duff and do nothing about it. But listen to me. Smart nonprofit leaders prioritize their own growth as leaders in the nonprofit world. You must take time out from chopping wood in order to sharpen your axe. You must. You don't have a choice. You have to 
Take time out of your busy working schedule to learn how to effectively, how to raise money with less effort, how to raise money and not um, get angry in the process, how to raise money and not drive yourself crazy. You must take the time to study how nonprofits how great nonprofits are organized. You got to study some organizational development. And if you don't prioritize learning nonprofit strategy, listen to me, your woodpile will never get cut. I'm speaking metaphorically. If you don't learn to raise money well, if you don't learn to organize your organization in a, in a great manner, the people who are going to pay are the people you should be serving. Just imagine if you could raise a ton of money, if you spent tomorrow and at the end of the day you had a ton of money, look at the staff you could could, uh, hire, look at the facilities you could do, get, look at all the people you could serve if you had the money. So you'll work harder and harder and you'll get less and less done if you don't take the time to sharpen your axe, when you work harder and harder and less and less is accomplished, don't fool yourself. Your attitude begins to show it. Frustration becomes the dominant emotion in your life. I know I've been a poor nonprofit leader for, um, for many years. I got into pastoral work. I, I became a pastor because I wanted to champion the world of the underdog. I got into the world of pastoring. I started pastoring a church because I wanted to help people, but I learned something pretty quickly. One of the worst ways. One of the worst strategies to help poor people is to be poor. (laughs) And I became, my attitude got bad. I did become some suspicious and untrusting. I got negative. So what I'm taking, what I'm challenging you today to is to take the time to figure out what it means to sharpen your axe and then consciously deliberately and with directed effort, put those things on your calendar every day. We're talking about putting first things first. We're talking about keeping the main things in life, the main things. Here's what happens when you don't take the time and initiative to consciously, intentionally sharpen your axe. You live at the tyranny of the urgent. You live our life. We live our lives constantly putting out infernos when we don't prioritize correctly. Wow. Let me give you a story about me. It's a true story, what I'm about to tell you with my hand in the air. It's true. Years ago, I had the opportunity to work in Canada. And as a very, very young man in ministry, I thought it was an opportunity I could not pass up. I jumped in my car and I drove and I drove. I drove to Canada. I worked there f- for a long time. But one day, my car, which was a used car to start with, trust me, it wasn't an expensive one. That thing got to where it barely would run. It was in bad, bad shape. 
a friend of mine who was much older than me, much smarter than me, much more savvy, world savvy than I was a businessman, man, he said, let me take your car and I'll check on it. So he took it. He brought it back to me. That thing was running amazing. And I said, what did you do? What was it? I'm embarrassed to tell you what he did and the change it made in my car. He changed the oil. But listen, now you may say, David, you didn't know that changed the oil in your car. It may be, I don't know that I ever had changed the oil in my car. It was beyond needing changing. It was to the point that that thing was about to blow. It was horrible. It ran horribly. It was terrible. I needed someone to teach me the power of fixing something while it still could be fixed. Really, that's leadership. Think of it. The fiery inferno of a problem once was a little flame. (laughs) At some point, the problems that are in your life that are fiery infernos at some point, they were a little flame. You can't put out a fiery inferno, but you probably could have. If you'd have caught it early enough, you could have put out a flame. That big fire at some point was a small point, was a small flame. The big problem at some point, it was small. Maybe you didn't notice it. Maybe you weren't aware of it. Maybe you didn't realize the storm was brewing. At that point, you could have successfully dealt with it. At that point, you could have instituted a good plan. You could well have fixed it. But because you didn't know, because you stayed busy at the tyranny of the urgent, it was important and you neglected it. At a time when you could have done something about it, you let it go. And now it's an urgent life-dominating problem. When you could have stimulated a bonded relationship with your children, you didn't. Now that opportunity's gone. They're adults. They're gone, and you're paying the price. When maybe you could have instituted a health plan, you put it off, and now you're older, and you're paying the price. When you could have begun to save for that expense, but you didn't, now you're at the mercy of high interest rates and monthly payments. Wow. I have a good friend that shared with me how that just this week, how his living satisfied, not living up to his potential, caused his first marriage to fail. He thought everything was fine, and he lived totally dedicated to his work. While his marriage disintegrated, he didn't take the time to fix it. And by the time he, it became urgent, it was too late. It couldn't be fixed. Some years ago, a headline told of 300 whales that suddenly died. The whales were pursuing sardines. These whales were pursuing sardines, and they found themselves marooned in a bay. One commentator said, The small fish lured the giants to their death. They came to their violent demise by chasing small ends, by prostituting their vast powers, for insignificant goals. Selah, Selah. Paul, y'all, Paul, just stop. Think about it. Prostituting vast powers for insignificant goals. The value of cutting your wood with a sharp axe is an issue at the very heart of life. 
Almost all of us feel torn by the things we want to do, by the demands that are placed on us, by the many responsibilities we have. We all feel challenged by the day-to-day and moment-by-moment decisions that we have to make regarding the best use of our time. Decisions are easier when it's a question of is it good or is it bad. We can easily see how some ways we could spend our time are are wasteful, mind-numbing, even destructive. But for the most of us, the issue is not between the good and the bad. We live making choices between the good and the best. That was something a good friend of mine, Bruce Owen, always said for years. The the good is always the enemy of the best. Wow. Now, here's what I learned at that season of my life. If I live my life constantly at the tyranny of the urgent... I'm always dealing with what's urgent. It's likely because I neglected to deal with it when it was important. When it was important, it was small enough I could have fixed it. Now it's urgent. It's a raging inferno and I can't put the fire out. In my life, I realized that when I tend to neglect the important, I always end up living at the tyranny of the urgent, the bottom line. Anything less than a conscious commitment to the important is an unconscious commitment to what's unimportant. Yep, got serious on you, didn't I? I personally, I'm telling you me, I experienced a lot of failure because by the time things got to the urgent level, it was too late and I couldn't fix them. Wow. I'm going to end my thought today with a quote from the book First Things First by Stephen Covey and Roger and Rebecca Merrill. Quote, here we go. Some of us get so used to the adrenaline rush of handling crises that we become dependent on it for a sense of excitement and energy. How does urgency feel? Stressful? Pressured? Tense? Exhausting? Yes. But let's be honest. Sometimes... We feel exhilarated. We feel useful. We feel successful. We feel validated. And we get good at it. Whenever there's trouble, we ride into town, pull out our six-shooter, do the varmint in, blow the smoke off the gun barrel, and ride into the sunset like a hero. It brings instant results and instant gratification. We get a temporary high from solving urgent and important crises. Then when the importance isn't there, the urgency to fix is so powerful. We're drawn to do anything urgent, just to stay in motion. People expect us to be busy, overworked. It's become a status symbol in our society. If we're busy, we're important. If we're not busy, we're almost embarrassed to admit it. Busyness is where we get our security. It's validating, popular, and pleasing. It's also a good excuse for not dealing with first things in our lives. My goodness. That was from Stephen Covey. I want you, the purpose of my thoughts today, this podcast, I want you to make it your choice to escape the tyranny of the urgent. Urgent things act upon us. Important things do not. We have to act upon them. If something's urgent, it acts on us. But listen, folks, important things don't act upon you. You have to see that they're important. Then you act upon them. Wow.
That's my thought for today. I want you to consider one more time. I'm just remind you about the opportunity coming up next week. You can join a an information call with Mary Valoni and I. That's Tuesday, April 21st of 2021. The 20th, excuse me. You can join Mary Valoni and I in an information call for a mastermind that we are offering ourselves to. We're offering ourselves to 12 nonprofit leaders to help them identify what's important. What's important. We meet online twice monthly. We put our heads together to help each other grow. We get powerful people in our corners. And then we have two in-person meetups in that over the next 12 months. Wow. Masterminds have given me consultants and coaches I could never afford. You've heard me talk about Mike Kim. I will tell you the truth. I do not have the money I cannot afford to hire Mike Kim, but I'm in a mastermind with Mike Kim. Mike Kim offers himself to me. I talked to you about Marissa Nielsen. I've been on Marissa's podcast. She's amazing. She is a financial giant here in this nation. She is, she, she runs a financial empire. I, Marissa and I have spent hours together brainstorming my business and my stuff. I cannot afford Marissa. She costs thousands and thousands of dollars per hour. Plus she tells, she'll just say it right out. I've got a waiting list. And honestly, she doesn't much service that waiting list. The last few weeks for a month, I've had DK Kim. He runs his, the new school of selling. He is a powerful soul. I can't afford DK. How did I get these people? They are thinking partners in my businesses because I'm in a mastermind with them. Wow. I'm inviting you with Mary Valoni to join us on an information call for a nonprofit, a mastermind for nonprofit leaders over the next 12 months. The cost is affordable. We're keeping it low just for you. 250 a month or 2,500 a year. Click on the link in the show notes and I will see you on that call. Okay, that's the show for today. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad. I hope that helps you. If you enjoyed the episode, do hit the subscribe button. Uh, You want to give me a review? That's how you can show me some love. All right, until next time, remember, we are proud nonprofit leaders on a mission to create a changed world. We're not begging. We're not pleading. We're inviting humanity to partner with Providence to see injustice become justice, to see wrongs become righted so we can leave the world we found in a better place. It's all coming together. It's all breaking our way every day. We're a little clearer in our message every day. We learn a little more strategy every day. Another piece of the puzzle comes together. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this is David O saying, don't forget, minor touches lead to major gifts. Bye-bye.